Welcome to Club Management. I'm your host, Shannon Dawson. You can listen back to all the episodes at soundcloud.com slash clubmanagement1. We're on mixcloud.com slash clubmanagement1. And we're on Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify as well. So make sure you're listening because we are everywhere. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast in any way, we're on Patreon as well. I would love to start producing this show a lot quicker for you guys. Um, And with your support, I can afford some, you know, some snazzy equipment to help me edit these shows a lot faster for you. But the Patreon community is also a way for us to connect and get to know each other better. You get perks at different tiers, and that means access to early episodes, special hangouts with me, and other goodies. So head over to patreon.com slash clubmanagement1 and be a part of the family. 10, the big 10, I can't believe it. You know, it's 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 been really crazy for me because this year I have finally been so consistent and I'm really happy that I've made it this far. Um, you know, as 2019 is coming to an end, I think that this year has all has been about just seeing what's on that other side of fear because I've been so fearful to do a lot of the things that I've always wanted to do. Um, and I finally kind of shook off those those scary bones inside of me <laughs> and went after what I actually wanted to do. So big shout out to myself for doing all the things I wanted to do in 2019. And I'm going to really continue to push that energy into 2020. And big shout out to all the guests we've had on the show so far. They've been really sharing their stories. And it's so inspiring to me to hear all of these stories because it's like I have these role models that are really pushing me to go after all the things I want. This episode in particular is about Dada Club. And you may or may not know that there are two Dada Clubs, one in Shanghai and one in Beijing. Unfortunately, though, I just got word that the one in Shanghai is sadly getting ready to close, but it's been open for 10 years and seven years in Beijing. Owner Michael Olsen has been bringing some really cool acts over to the Middle Kingdom. He came to Shanghai in 2003 to find a pretty raw and untouched musical landscape. Slowly building friendships with the local artists and DJs in the scene, and eventually opening up Dada Club, which has become a staple venue in China's underground music scene. Local rapper and DJ Clem de la Creme is a part of the Come Correct crew. They hold their weekly hip-hop parties at Dada. He talks about how important the club is to the scene. So it was a Wednesday, and it was a Come Correct event that we were doing. And Alay, she had just finished her set, and KPT had just gotten on the decks, and he was switching up the vibes and playing some West Coast gangster rap. And this guy comes behind the decks and starts you know, telling him what he should be doing and giving him critiques on his DJing skills. And, um, and you know, as DJs, we're, we're used to, to people coming back or, like, shouting song requests or being like, why didn't you play this instead of that? And um, and so, you know, I told the guys, like, look, man, there's our space back here. You got to get from behind the, the booth. You, you shouldn't be back here. Uh, and he's like, well, this is my place. And I, I, I owned Dada, uh, Michael, and I was like, oh, well, my apologies. Uh, yeah, he's he's just getting the, the set started, the vibe's going. 
and uh you know so michael went and sat in the back of the booth you know to continue enjoying the event and um i went up to him and uh you know apologized because i didn't re- you know realize it was him and uh you know and got to talk with him for a moment and you know he's just a, a friendly guy and one thing I gotta say about Dada is they've always been very supportive of, you know, Come Correct crew and very supportive of, you know, underground scenes and local, you know, local artists. And that's one thing that I've always admired about them. I was first introduced to Dada when uh one of my friends had us be part of one of the night markets they had organized. And it just brought together local vendors and, and artists to to share what they had, you know. And I don't know, I thought that was really, really cool. And I really appreciate that they continue to do that, you know. So shout out to Dada for all they've done and what they keep pushing. Now, I met Michael back in January of 2019 at Cream. And he came to bless us with his 80s vinyl collection under his DJ persona, Ozone. <laughs> It was such a really fun night filled with classic disco and these really dusty, funky grooves. Fast forward to this year, and I got a chance to work it behind the decks at Dada Shanghai, opening up for producer Monopoly. <laughs> Bass shook and rattled the whole venue as everyone, both foreigners and Chinese locals, danced and united under this nation of sound. I spoke to Michael about his long career in the music industry and what it takes to run a successful club overseas. I kind of wore so many hats in um, the, the music industry. So I started out in college radio and then did commercial radio, mm-hmm. uh, worked for a lot of different record labels and uh, promoters, um, doing both like rock music and electronic music. Mm-hmm. I've always been equally interested in, in the, actually in all kinds of music. You know, if I, if I could share a passion for jazz or classical, or, you know, hip hop, whatever, I like it all. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was mostly in rock and, and, and DJ events. What was the turning point for you? So what was the, the, the catalyst that brought you to China? I, uh, I quit working in the music industry in California um, years before I moved to China. And I was doing, um, you know, Internet work, building websites and stuff. And mm-hmm. So when I first uh, moved to China, I was going to keep I did keep doing that. I wasn't involved with the music industry at all mm-hmm. um, or, or the nightlife industry. So it was actually a couple of years after I moved to China and I met some of the, um, well, I was based in Shanghai and I met some of the bands and DJs and, and uh, producers there. Mm-hmm. And I just got really excited about what they were doing and I wanted to get involved. Uh, you know, we um, uh, organized a lot of events together and, you know, eventually that led to touring around the country and touring around the world for some of these artists so mm-hmm. yeah it's been an exciting journey um for me to be be a part of it super exciting journey um but i imagine that when you first came to shanghai and beijing the scene wasn't as developed as it is now yeah no it's certainly um i mean that, that was part of the exciting thing is that mm-hmm. it was like once a month there'd be like an interesting um local event or international act that would come through mm-hmm. uh you know seriously just once a month uh whereas now it's like several every week in some ways it's grown fast 
and other ways it's grown so slow, you know, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the 17 years that I've been involved here, uh, there's certain things that are, I, I can't keep up with and the things that I'm like, come on, how come we aren't to this level? <laughs> and they're, they're kind of abstract ideas, so I don't really know how to, to, to explain them in a couple sentences, but mm-hmm. um you know, I, it's been uh, it's been frustrating, but also very exciting. But that, I guess that's part of what makes it so interesting is it isn't this easy path. I always tell people I would I'm so bored if I was doing this in in a well established market like Berlin or London or New York, right. where um, everything's already been done before. And there's just you know I, I I get excited about you know kind of breaking new ground and seeing something grow. And that's mm. part of the excitement for me um, doing this here in China. Yeah. And you've been doing this for a long time. I mean, um, we spoke before and you, um, you know, I kind of caught you around the period that uh, you guys were doing the anniversary, the 10 year anniversary of Dada. And Dada is your baby, you know, like that must feel so, so amazing for you to say that you have run something that's lasted and has cultivated, I would say, like a really amazing scene for China. Like that has to be crazy for you. Yeah, it, it, it is crazy. And um, and I and I uh, remember that when, I, when we first uh, opened up, um, my, uh, you know, vision was to really make something that was sustainable and it was going to have lasting power. So I guess I'm pretty proud of that, that, that worked out at least. <laughs> none of us got, none of us got uh, rich quick on it, but um, we're still there, which is pretty cool. I think it's pretty, it is really an achievement to, to still survive after Dot has existed for 10 years in yeah. Shanghai and seven years in Beijing. And, you know, there's still, on the map and going strong. That's amazing. I'm interested. Can you speak Chinese fluently or no? You know what? It, it's actually pretty bad right now. It was <laughs> it was quite it was quite good years ago, but um, mm-hmm. the past uh, five to eight years, I've been spending more and more time uh, traveling outside of China. So it's okay. it's gotten a lot worse just because I haven't been using it as much as I was before. Yeah. So it's kind of embarrassing now. And I'll, I'll lie when people ask me how long you've been here. You know? <laughs> a couple <laughs> months. You know? <laughs> that's really funny. I only ask because that's also amazing too, that you've been able to actually like do business in China and, you know, your Chinese is probably not so good, <laughs> but that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I, I had a lot of hits and messes uh with with business here and and mm-hmm. the most important thing and it's true anywhere but the most important thing is the the people you're working with and mm-hmm. uh you know getting getting lucky i guess to say um to find the right people to to work with and i've been very fortunate with that mm-hmm. um you can have you can have all the investment you want you can have the best ideas uh you can have the best experience but if you're not working with the right people it's probably going to fail so that's that's the secret to success <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a question that's been on a lot of people's minds in the club industry. I mean, and you guys ran into a little bit of a, a scary point last year where you had to shut down. Um, are you nervous about with the changes going on with laws and stuff in China that Dada could be affected by that at some point? 
Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, everybody, and it's not just this industry, it's probably every industry. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changes going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the hardest thing is not really knowing what the rules are because the rules are changing and, and they're not written yet. So, um, yeah, it is, it is a very turbulent time and, and um mm-hmm. there's a lot we're, we're playing a real waiting game because we're like well what's 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 it going to be like uh next month and what is it going to be like three months from now right. you know there's i mean it, there's just so much going on there's changes in the culture changes in um uh, the economy and then of course regulations and stuff so yeah it's it's just uh yeah, it is. It is very stressful. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> but um, we're, we've we've been through a lot of this before. I mean, not, right now it is pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you just kind of have to anticipate things and have some Plan Bs mm-hmm. in your back pocket in case Plan A doesn't work. You know, right? Uh, so what particularly strikes me so much about that is the bookings. Um, and within the last year, you've had people like. Bronco and Mina from Antrufada, which was like one of my favorite labels. Um, you had Rel, Madame X, and some of the Tech Life crew come through the doors. Um, I'm interested because, like I was telling you before, this the Chinese consumer is a bit hard to, to hack. So I often wonder, like, do, do people respond? Do the Chinese club growers respond well to these really eclectic bookings that you've got going on at Dada? Yeah, well, it's a good question, but um, if you're talking about "quote unquote" hacking the, the Chinese consumer, um, you have to remember that our audience is relatively very niche and very small. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about a few hundred um, people that are that are coming out to the events. Mm-hmm. So when you when you consider that, like you know, Beijing's got 20 million people, it's such a small niche thing that you're you're doing you know um but uh, granted it does take a lot of work you just have to really understand exactly who you're targeting and and trying to reach out to them and mm. getting them to share to share your excitement for some kind of music you know yeah. <laughs> um so but also everything's changing so rapidly here i always tell people that it's like uh, there's a new generation of uh you know nightlife kids every two years so yeah you have to kind of reinvent your strategy constantly Mm -hmm. uh, when you consider that like you had to you can't really rest and go oh we've we've established ourselves we're good you you know you have to get out there and you know what what's the new app that kids are on today and yeah (laughs) you gotta you gotta you gotta hustle a bit you know you can't you can't really rest kick yeah. back so easily you but, know? yeah I was going to say for you that must be so nerve wracking because you might have a booking that you really think that's awesome but then you know I mean it could be it could be like detrimental in sales for the night if like no one shows up you know oh it's certainly true I mean and you have bad nights um, mm-hmm. but part of that is is building a, a solid reputation and understanding that it's not a get rich quick kind of thing because it, it's I think a lot of um, promoters and nightclubs and whatever, they've uh, made mistakes like trying to chase a, an easy one where like, you know, for example, we get offers for a lot of, um, you know, like EDM style main, mainstream trap music kind of thing. And I know that there'll be 
it'd be easy to fill the venue with that, make some money. Mm-hmm. But that would uh, that would just piss off our, our regular customers if we did that. Mm. So learning to say no because you, you have more of a long-term vision that you need to stick to and, you know, stick to your guns and and say no we're not we're not going to do that because that's not our our core mission mm. you know what i mean do i do i sound too corporate talking like this no <laughs> <laughs> it's okay um but yeah so whatever you get you get the point so <laughs> I, I definitely get you um but i'm interested which one what night has been uh, a favorite of yours oh um god i you know i just uh <laughs> we just did a did an interview with with a uh, smart Shanghai. We went over a few, and I realized I, I did the math. We've done um, just in Shanghai data. We've done like over two thousand five hundred events. Oh my it's god! Really hard. To, it's really hard to pick a favorite. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, I, I think I read that interview, and I read that. Did you guys do a boiler room with? I forget what, who it mentioned. Uh, yeah, we we did a boiler room with Skrillex in Shanghai or Beijing. Uh, that was in Shanghai. So I think it was about three years ago. Oh my god! Yeah, that had to have been a busy night. It was pretty crazy. The, the whole thing was just such a, a weird thing. It was very last minute. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was also there was supposed to be another headliner. Mm-hmm. I think it was Black Coffee from South Africa or something like that. I had to cancel the last minute, so it was literally like three days before the event where they're like, "Hey, can we do this?" And I was I thought it was a joke, but like <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Uh, we were lucky though because I was so worried that there were going to be you know thousands of people showing up and and. Uh, we were going to get in trouble for having too many people, but mm. there was a massive uh, thunderstorm that night. So I think it scared away some of the lazy people. And <laughs> in the end, it was just, it was just right. We, it was full, but not overcrowded. You okay. know, that's really cool though. Um, and black coffee, that would have been really dope if he showed up. I mean, he's like the DJ right now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, next time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Next time. <laughs> Um, so I don't want to keep you too long, uh, but my next question is the ozone ozone is your, I would like to say your DJ persona and we had you come at cream. That's how I met you. And (laughs) I actually wanted to tell you this the last time I apologize because we had to go, you know, we had to get the little tissue rolls for you so that you could prop up the, uh, (laughs) the, uh, (laughs) players, but it worked out. Um, but yeah, so when, when you had approached us about performing, I, you know, and, and Tronic told us what you did, I was like, okay, this sounds cool. Like, I'm interested to see how this would play out live. And it was really nice. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I've, I've been, I've been having fun. Like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to reveal my age. I I started DJing in the the eighties, late (laughs) eighties, very late, very late eighties. Okay. (laughs) But, um, you know, so this last year, I, I, you know, I have a lot, a large vinyl collection of mostly um, 80s music. And I just, I hadn't been playing it out for years. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like now was the right time, considering that most DJs are, you know, playing off of laptops and um, using the sync button and, 
you know, everything is <laughs> smoothly mixed or very abstract, which is great. It's, I love it. But I felt like uh, there needed to be kind of a more of a throwback kind of thing, you know, house party style, just playing the songs. Um, that's why I play mostly 45s because each song's about three minutes and you don't really need to mix it, you know, as long as you have some kind of a, a feeling for the groove, mm-hmm. you can do it. And and, and the audience response uh, has been really positive. Like, I think people are like, wow, this is actually cool. And like, you know, so I did, uh, I think, 20 cities around China. Wow. Um in the past year, also, uh, you know, Kazakhstan and Mongolia and Korea and, you know, yes. I'm going to go to um, oh, whatever. I can't remember right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cambodia, Cambodia soon. So anyway, yeah, it's been a lot of fun uh, getting back into the game, so to speak. And um, yeah, I really appreciate uh, you guys having me. So what do you think is missing in the club culture in Beijing? Maybe there's something that you think that Dada is not necessarily providing in the market or just clubs in general? Well, are you th- that's crazy talk. There's nothing missing. <laughs> 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 no. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's a good question. And, you know, um, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, there's there's a lot, lot more that we could do. But the most important thing is that we need to bring our audience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just um, if there were a bunch more clubs, it just wouldn't be sustainable, and we'd all be like scrambling for the same five hundred, same five hundred people, mm-hmm. and it, it, nobody would be uh, able to survive. So we need definitely. That's the most important thing that needs to happen is audience growth. Um, and I'm not exactly an expert on how that's going to happen, but um, you know, if there was a bit more media support for the kind of uh, underground music that we're doing that would help build a, a bigger audience because um, it, it is a little bit behind st- you know like I was saying like um, uh, that that's kind of the feeling that I had when I started 17 years ago like uh, the audience isn't quite there yet mm. and um, even though it's certainly grown um, uh, proportionally the number of venues to the audience has not grown mm. we're still struggling to to kind of break even with the audience that we have, especially in Shanghai, where, you know, when I started, you know, there was, you know, zero venues, really, mm. or maybe one venue. And now there's, let's say, 10 venues in the same niche. But um, the the amount of audience to support those venues is still the same ratio it was 17 years ago. Wow. So That's crazy. I mean, you would think also with like Shanghai and Beijing being these big cities and a lot, there's like always an influx of foreigners and whatever have you, all kinds of people coming to these cities that they're, you know, the audience would grow faster, you know? Um, But then again, well, it's certainly, yeah, mm -hmm. it's certainly grown, but it's just the the proportion hasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, compared to the the venues, compared to the the size of the audience. I see uh, what you mean. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, that's needless to say, you guys are still in a really great position to be having a 10 year anniversary or ha- have had a 10 year anniversary. So I'm interested yeah. to know any plans to expand to more cities around China? Uh, we we might. I mean, uh, mm. we, we we keep getting calls from various places like let's let's do one. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we've gotten a lot pickier 
uh, we're not going to kind of just jump into any idea. So, but yeah, there's a few things we're, we're floating around, but I can't say yet because it's very early stages about that. So we'll, we'll see, maybe, maybe not, you know, but we're, we're also looking at other countries um, besides just China, you know, China is always, you know, first choice for what we're doing, but uh, if there's an opportunity in another, another country, we're, we're also looking at that too. So really cool. I hope everything works out. Um, yes. If people want to follow you or just find out more about you, where can they find you on the social medias? Um, you know what? I'm really kind of off the grid a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really, I don't really have like a, an, uh, an online presence for you know professionally speaking so mm-hmm. um yeah you got to come to the club and hang out buy me a drink <laughs> <laughs> okay great well they'll find you at the club then coming out of the interview with me and Michael. And this music that's playing now is from the actual set that he did at Cream. Um, And again, it was just like a super cool night having this house party vibe at a club, which you don't really get a chance to do very often. Um, But what makes him so special is that he literally just lets the vinyl kind of play out and um, everybody have a good time. So really really special stuff and really important what he has done for the last 17 years here in china spreading the vibes of new music and and new and bringing those two cultures together you know bringing um showing the diverse talent within the chinese music scene and then bringing some really great artists from around the world to china so big ups to him for that and big ups to you for listening to episode 10 if you happen to be stumbling upon this uh this podcast for the first time make sure you head over to soundcloud.com slash club management one to listen to all of the other nine episodes and please 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 if you like what you're listening to and if you like me please support over at the patreon community that's patreon.com slash club management one and become a part of the family that'll be a great way for us to keep uh chatting after the show and it will help me to get these shows done a little bit more efficiently and a lot more uh better production wise for youtube so thank you so much for doing that uh and thanks for listening i hope to see you again soon peace
baby, took too long. I got caught in the rush hour. 